0: Welcome to Saint Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's a whole new ball game this year with a new tax code. We can help you get ready to file. With me in studio is our tax guy, Lance Weiss, CPA and partner with SFW Partners LLC. Lance, welcome.
1: Don, thanks for having me today. I have to tell you (laughs) that
0: uh, with today's weather, I'm looking forward to April, but it has nothing to do with (laughs) tax day, believe me.
1: Yeah, it's been just crazy how cold it's been all winter, but but that makes it easier to work more this time of year, and then we know we have the the nice summers to look forward
0: to. And we are looking forward to that. Hearing a lot of complaints, Lance, from people who are expecting something more from this new tax cut, particularly people in the the
1: middle class level, Uh, do, do, do they have a legitimate gripe? Well, there certainly are quite a few changes. And uh, we've heard a lot of different news on, well, the the refunds are down. And the first report said they were down about 17%. Then a week or so ago they said, well, now they're down about 9%. But, Don, I I think it was just earlier today or maybe over the weekend they released some new IRS stats that actually say the net refund is up a little bit. So I think it depends on when people file. So those taxpayers who – have most of their income reported to them on a W-2, and it's fairly consistent from year to year, and they have fairly normal withholdings from year to year, and they have re- the same recurring type deductions, mortgage interest, real estate tax, some charitable donations, they tend to file earlier. And under the new law, two, two things happened here in 2018. The first thing is, taxes came down for most people, but. What happened with the refunds is they adjusted the withholding tables pretty severely. And if your income is fairly predictable and most of your tax is paid in through withholdings, your refund's down. That, that, so I was not at all surprised to hear about that. But now as we get later into the season, they're saying the refunds are up. Well, the people who tend to file a little bit later have different sources of income and maybe they make estimated payments, or maybe they own a business. And in general, with this tax law, the higher the income and the more complicated your return, the bigger the refunds. Mm -hmm. There are some new deductions that don't apply to the the W-2 taxpayer, they only apply to business income, and we've seen some tremendously larger refunds from the business owners.
0: And that's what some people are complaining about. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And, you know, you can't argue with the math. Uh, The the tax cut was really designed to give bigger refunds to higher income taxpayers. And that's exactly what it's doing.
0: I think you've just answered a question we had uh, via email from Madonna in Crestwood. She says, when the Trump tax law went into effect, working folks seemed to get more in their weekly paychecks. They were told it was a tax break. In reality, less of their own money was being withheld for taxes each week. So it made it seem like they were getting more.
1: Yeah, and, and that's exactly that, that's exactly what it was. So I, I think that if they compared their side-by-side returns from 17 to 18, their total tax liability probably did come down. So you can't just look at that single metric of what's my refund. You have to look at it in terms of what's my total tax liability, how much did I pay in, and that's really where the big change is mm-hmm. from why the refunds are so much smaller because people paid in so much less. Mm-hmm. And Madonna and Crestwood hit the nail right on the head. Uh, It's that their weekly paychecks were most likely a little bit higher.
0: It was billed uh, as a a simpler process, is it?
1: It, Again, it depends on the taxpayer. So if if the sources of your income are W-2s and you have fairly Mm -hmm. consistent itemized deductions, yes, it it, it is easier because with the doubling of the standard deduction, very few people now itemize deductions. So it's easier. It's easier to do the easy returns. It's much harder to do the business returns. There were some dramatic changes in that arena.
0: All right. Why would it be harder for the business return?
1: Well, they introduced a new deduction called the Qualified Business Income Deduction. And any qualified trader business is eligible to pass that deduction on through to the owners. So if you have an S-Corp or a partnership, um, maybe real estate activities. And, and Don, that's really where the complication comes in. Because for a real estate activity to rise to the level where it's eligible for this qualified business income deduction, that real estate activity needs to qualify as a trader business. And they didn't define that term for us. So it's kind of a facts and circumstances test.
0: I want to put our phone number out there because I'm sure there are people in the audience that will have questions for Lance Weiss. 382-8255 is the number. That's 382-TALK. And uh, you can email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. I I gather the biggest change,
1: and you've already alluded to it, is the standard deduction. It's certainly one of the bigger changes. At least on, you know, every year the IRS gets about 140 million 1040s. And that is the biggest change on about a third of them because now so very few people will itemize deductions. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's what uh, what is the number what are the numbers
0: there with regard to the uh, deductions?
1: So on a on a married filing joint return, the standard deduction is now up to $24,000 and in 2017 that number was just over 12,000 so it nearly doubled but they give us that but they took away the deductions for exemptions uh-huh. and those were just over $4,000 per year in 2017 so in 17 a, a married couple with two kids had 16,000 of exemptions and another 12,000 of itemized deduct or of, of standard deduction so they had about 28,000 total well, now they only have 24,000 total. So that's where some of those who are feeling a tax increase from the Tax Act, uh, most of them come from that arena. And the forms themselves
0: are a little bit different.
1: Uh, Don, I would say the forms themselves are dramatically different. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've shrunk the base of the 1040 to about a half page each. And actually, page one of the 1040, if if anyone still does them on paper, uh, page one of, of the 1040 just has your name, address, who your dependents are, and sign here. You know, there's not a number on the page. Uh So it's a pretty dramatic difference if you print 18 and compare it to the printed copy of 17. Okay.
0: I've got a lot of questions, but I'm sure the audience does too. And we have a caller right from the get-go, so let's bring in Robert calling from Clayton. Robert, you're on the air. Go ahead.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, If a person dies and he gets step-up basis in the stock
1: that he or she held, the trustee or whoever sells it within six months, is the gain long-term or short-term? The, the gain in that transaction would be long-term. And, and even if the decedent bought it three days before they passed away, the character of the asset changes to long-term at, at the person's death. Oh, very good. Thank you so much. Yep. Mm-hmm. What about
0: this whole estate tax deal? How does that – that gets complicated, doesn't
1: it? Well, it, it does. But again, there was another simplification there in that they nearly doubled the exemption amount. So, you know, Don, I've been in the business long enough to remember that the estate tax exemption was was 600000 per person. Uh, and, and now that number is just over $11 million per person. So if you have a married couple and their net worth is, you know, only a mere $20 million – then they don't need to worry about the estate tax. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, it's really not a planning consideration for just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Where should people
0: be now, Lance, in terms of getting ready for April 15th and getting their stuff together?
1: Yeah, well, by now, you, you certainly have your W-2s and, and the mortgage interest statements, and hopefully you've gone through the checkbook or quicken report or whatever it is however you're tracking your charitable donations and you've gathered a lot of that information also if not already very soon you should be receiving all of the 1099s from your brokerage statements and and that tends to be the hang-up because so many of those brokerage companies keep issuing later and later which can be a good thing because hopefully the later they issue the fewer corrections they have and the amended 1099s that come out So you should be well into the information gathering stage and and ready to start the return. Is there anything we can, uh, that people can be doing now,
0: even though we're into another year, well, to, to save on taxes this year?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the good old IRA deduction is uh-huh. still out there, and, and that's a contribution that a person can make up until April 15th and still take the deduction on their 2018 return. So it's not too late to squeeze that deduction in but it is too late for one more trip to Goodwill. Uh-huh. It's, it's too late for one more donation. You know. So all that, uh, when the calendar changes, that's when the clock on those deductions stops as well.
0: Maybe this is not the exactly the time to talk about what can we be doing now to save
1: on next year's taxes? Well, that's where completing your 18 return is really the first step on that. Uh-huh. And if you're surprised by the lack of a refund or how small it is, that's when you go uh-huh. back to the HR people in the office and say, hey, how can I adjust my withholdings that, you know, I'd like to get this much back a year from now instead of having to pay a little bit like I did this year or whatever the facts might have been. So now's the time to really start planning for refunds in 20 for the 19 taxes. It's never too early, <clears throat> I
0: guess, to be thinking thinking ahead like that. Let's take another call. Myron is with us. He's calling from St. Louis. Go ahead, Myron.
2: Uh, hi, I had a question um, as to why um All the deductions that I used to be able to
0: take uh, are no longer available, Um, specifically uh, claiming union dues and things like that.
1: Yeah, so all of those deductions that were categorized as miscellaneous employee business expenses, and it includes union dues and special work clothing and unreimbursed entertainment. And, and Don, we've got quite a few uh, clients who are outside salespeople. And, you know, they think they're always entertaining. So all of their meals, entertainment, auto expenses are, are gone. Those were part of the miscellaneous itemized deductions. You know, I, I think they, at least the way it was advertised through the tax law, the question was why. Well, I have no idea why. You'd have to get into the head of, of Congress to try to figure that one out. But what I've read as far as the why is since they doubled the standard deduction, They were hoping to offset whatever benefit someone might have had by having to take the time to track all of those miscellaneous deductions. So, you know, our our fees, for example, tax preparation fees are no longer deductible by people. Uh, The investment management fees, no longer deductible how is, easy is
0: that going to be to figure out on the new forms i mean uh, uh, are are they specified
1: exactly what you're no longer uh, eligible well, I, you know I, I would imagine how myron figured it out before he, right before he called in was he looked on the form and saw those lines are just gone there the, the deduction's not available anymore. We're talking taxes, obviously, and if, uh,
0: if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you. This guy is a font of uh, information on taxes. Uh, give us a call at 382-8255. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Now back to our tax expert, Lance Weiss. Lance, I'll bring this up uh, early on, the alternative minimum tax. I've never understood it. <laughs> you explain it every time. It's not your fault. It's mine. <laughs> but where does that stand in this mix? Well,
1: it wasn't completely eliminated under the new tax law, Don, but we have I have yet to see it in our practice rear its ugly head again. So what used to always trigger the alternative minimum tax, was the add back of the exemptions for your kids and and however many on a joint return, the the two people on the joint return. And with those exemptions gone, the add back is gone. The other thing that triggered it were the state and local income tax deductions. Well, now that that add back has been capped at $10,000, just as the deduction has been capped at $10,000, that add back is gone. And then what they did is they raised the floor for the exemption amount. So now you get a full exemption for the AMT tax on income all the way up to a million Mm dollars. So we just don't see the alternative minimum tax on individual returns like we used to. But it's still there. You know, theoretically, it's still there, but I have not
0: seen it come up yet. Let's go back to the phones. David in St. Louis County, you're on the air. Go ahead.
3: Hi, my question is, uh, I filed taxes already for our family and we have two children. One of our sons was born this summer, July 9th, and I don't think we got a full credit or deduction for him where I understood had he been born nine days earlier, we would have because he would have lived with us for six months out of the year. Can you have some clarity to that?
1: Uh, you should have gotten the full benefit for the child. Even if he's a, a New Year's Eve baby, you still get the full benefit for the whole year. So. Somebody may have clicked a box wrong in the software, or perhaps misunderstood the uh, the credit rules. But you should have received the full two thousand dollars credit for the new baby.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Yep.
1: So, so what should he do? Well, you know the the, the best route there is really just to do a, an amended return at this point. Or there is actually something called a superseded tax return that you can file up until April fifteenth. Uh, you can check whatever software you use. Some software is, is capable of uh, clicking that superseding box and then submitting that to the IRS. Um, with some of the less expensive programs, you have to go through the amendment process. But the IRS has a form. It's called the 1040-X, and you would use that to uh, get, go ahead and get, and get the full credit. You're assuming, and you know more than I do certainly, but you're assuming a lot of people are using these uh, the, this software. I, I am. and and the software, there are so many now even free versions available for, for available from some of the vendors um, that are out there. and you know, I'm sure we've all seen the TV commercials and radio ads. Uh, and for the most part, they work. Uh, now, again, uh, the more complicated your return gets, uh, the better off you're doing, you know using one of the the more expensive programs. and, and then if it gets to the point where you're unsure, of how a deduction might work then it might be time to sit down and talk to a professional. When does it get too complicated? At what point? (laughs) I would say if you own a business and and if the business um, generates a a good portion or certainly the majority of your income, it's probably worth it to hire someone. Mm -hmm. And, And Don, one of the deductions in this new law is called the Qualified Business Income Deduction. And it's not just for those that are full-time in a business. If you're a freelance person and you know you have a, a full-time W-2 job somewhere, but you also do you know a few things on the side. You're a Lyft driver, an Uber driver, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. The net income from that activity, you're eligible to deduct up to 20% of whatever that income is. And it's a new line nine, kind of buried back on page two of the newly designed 1040. And it's an easy deduction to miss. So pay attention if you have this you know, freelance, gig economy, other business income. If you have any of that flowing through, be sure to pay attention to line 9 on the new 1040. What's the rationale there? It is income. It, it is income, but you get a deduction. And you still have to pay tax on the income, but you only pay tax on 80% of that income because they give you this new 20% deduction. And really the rationale there is to let small business owners and people who have this sideline income get a benefit that at least it was advertised to be similar to the benefit that all the big public corporations got. And that benefit, Don, in this tax law, their tax rate went from 35% down to 21%. So a pretty dramatic rate cut for all the big what's called a C corporation out there. So to give that benefit to all the businesses that are out there operating in an LLC format or a partnership or an S corporation, or even a Schedule C, or a farm, or a sideline gig Uber driver. The, all of those businesses are eligible for up to a 20% deduction of whatever the income was. Sounds like they're throwing a bone to the freelancers well, <laughs> while, the big, it, while the big boys you know, are really breaking it in. A, a 20% Man. deduction is, is a pretty good-sized bone, though. If, yeah. you know, it, And we can talk all day long about the economics of it, and is it good or bad. Uh, Certainly, people love refunds, but it, it's having an impact on debts and deficits and everything else. Is there a threshold for reporting freelance income? Uh, One dollar, Don. The U.S. government says every penny is taxable from whatever source derived. Okay, let's go back to the phones. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> let's the go back to the answer, Yeah, right. right. Let's yeah. go
0: back to the phones. We have a number of callers who want to get in. We'll start with Marie calling from Elsa, Illinois. Go ahead, Marie.
2: Hi.
0: Hi, go ahead.
2: I received a 1099 miss in my name this year from my recently deceased husband's non a small, non-qualified pension plan funds. TurboTax, which is what I'm using, thinks it's business income and is giving me a qualified business income deduction and a self-employment tax deduction, which obviously I don't Think I qualify for? How do I? Can you help me?
1: Well, so I think I'd probably start with a couple of questions, and then we'd also need to get a look at the document from the business that is paying the non qualified pension income. Um, sometimes we'll see that reported on a W 2. Uh, so, it, you know, perhaps they put it on the wrong form. And if the income should be on the W-2, then it's not eligible for the uh, qualified business income deduction. However, if this were you know, maybe some commissions and arrears or some, you know, a, a payment for some work that your, that your husband did before he passed away, then perhaps it is eligible. Uh, but, but given the term non-qualified pension, it makes me think it's more likely that it was just reported on the wrong form
3: you. I wondered about that.
2: I will contact them.
3: Yep,
0: Marie, thanks for the call. Let's bring in Frank. He's calling from St. Louis. Go ahead, Frank.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, I have a question about, you know, stipend paid to fellowship uh, uh, students or doctors. So when uh, the stipend is reported on line 7 or wages and salary, although no W-2 is issued, only a letter from the university or the hospital is issued. But when we put that amount and there's no other income from the husband and wife, so the child tax credit is reduced. And I was wondering why is this so? Is it not considered as an earned income?
1: If If the income is reported in a box Seven? Did, did they put that on a 1099 miscellaneous, or you said they issued no, no they form? they
2: don't issue any, any form. They just issue a letter.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably need to get a look at what the agreement is with the university or the school that's paying the stipend. Uh, more often than not, that is income, and the child credit should continue to be allowed. Um,
2: they only allowed up to the tax, uh, uh, tax amount, and that's about it. Although they, uh,
1: we have two children. Well, so the child tax credit works so that it'll offset whatever income tax is there, and then up to, I believe, a $1,000, at least a portion of it, is also refundable. So it could be that the rest of the credit is down a little bit lower on the form. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so, th- you know, this is one of those, I-, I need to get a look at what else the letter might say, and then... Um, a little bit more information on the return.
2: Well, that would say that you, you, you are responsible to file your taxes. This is what you are paid during the year, and that's about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it could be the amount is also subject to the self-employment tax, so that could be an issue there as well. Frank ought to talk to somebody. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Frank, br- bring your paperwork to somebody and get them to help you. It's a little difficult to do uh, in this kind of a format.
1: Yeah, and, and Dan, so, so many of those types of questions are so fact-dependent that you really need to find out more about how the school pays it, how, how it's treated from their end, and then also what is the student doing to earn that money. And mm-hmm. if it is for things like you know TA in a class or some other work or research, it's most likely also subject to the self-employment yeah. tax. And then it is treated just like other business income. Yeah, clearly
0: he, he has to talk to somebody. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a call from Mike. He's got a, a uh, question that may be somewhat related. Go ahead, Mike, in St. Charles.
2: Hi, thank you. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, yes, my son is in high school and he's taking college classes in high school. And we we did get the 1098T forms, tuition forms from uh, Umsul for the classes he's taking. However, I noticed on uh, the internet the 8917 uh, tax form isn't available anymore, and the IRS has put out like a notice on that. I'm wondering if they're going to still have that 8917 form for deductions to write tuition taxes. And, and on the other forms that they have, it says what college does he go to. But of course, he's not in college yet. He's still in high school. He's taking college classes in high school. So basically, that's my question. I appreciate your answer uh, uh, regarding the 8917 form. Thank
1: you. Yes. So the tuition and fees deduction is gone for 2018. Now, even as recently as last week, I heard some rumblings from a, a couple of congressmen saying that they were considering. Extending that into 2018, and I'm thinking, please no, right? Mm-hmm. At this point in March, mm-hmm. let's not do another 2018 law change. So, the 8917 and the tuition and fees deduction is gone. Now, your high school student is actually also a college student at UMSL and would be eligible for uh, the lifetime learning credit as well, um, or even the American Opportunity Credit, but I caution you not to do that because that American Opportunity Credit is only good for four years. And it'll serve you better when he's a full-time student paying much more tuition. So, you know, the, the shortcut answer there is, yeah, it's gone and there's really no benefit for that uh, tuition and fees deduction anymore.
2: Okay, I appreciate your answer, sir. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you for
0: the call. Uh, Sticking with the uh, college education theme, Nia writes, I am 21. My parents are paying for my undergraduate tuition and wanted to know if they can still claim me as a dependent on their taxes. If they can, am
1: I still allowed to file my own taxes for my job last summer? Uh, so yes, on all accounts. Uh-huh. So the the parents, and again, we, we go through some tests and I'm making some assumptions that the parents are providing more than half the support and she's a full-time student and things like that. Uh, but in general, how that will work best for all parties involved is to follow the rule of the law that says, yeah, mom and dad can still take her as a dependent and then depending on her age, it's most likely the parents are eligible for a $500 credit on the return and then when Mia fi- files her return, she'll get a um, a standard deduction, you know, depending on how much she made from her summer job, most or all of that might even be offset. So she ends up with zero tax as well. Email from John, what are the changes to the dividend and capital gains tax rates? So really no changes there other than the normal uh, you know, I- inflation adjustments on dividends, qualified dividends, long-term capital gains. Those rules stayed pretty consistent from 18 to 17.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's bring in Claire calling from Festus. Claire, go ahead, please, you're on the air.
3: Hi, good afternoon, thank you, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, what about um, filing single truck driver, looking where do they put in their per diem?
1: Well so the the truck driver working on a per diem is probably also then a W2 employee of the of the company and those per diem deductions that was something that was deducted as a miscellaneous itemized deduction for unreimbursed employee business expenses and that was those that deduction was one of the casualties of the new law so it just the per diems no longer are deductible a lot of casualties. Yeah, his,
3: his per diem calculated to nearly 30000 in a year.
1: So that would be the, just the, the the daily rate times the number of days he drove. Uh, now, if the driver is paid as an independent contractor and receives a 1099 miscellaneous and then reports that income on the Schedule C, the the deduction is still there. You're eligible for all of your deductions to offset business income. But as soon as the character of the employee-employer or worker-employer relationship changes from independent contractor to employee, that per, that per diem deduction is gone.
3: And that's it's a tragic. Yeah. Um, also, um, making that same individual is making um, was making donations to a woman's violence shelter that is listed on the list, like from the state of um, you know ones that are recognized as, you know, um, receiving some kind of credit or whatever. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but when it's entered, um, I noticed that it doesn't come, it doesn't recognize it. The items are food. We put it as other and it, it's dried goods by the cases. And so, and it wasn't, and then it, you know, like when it showed us the, 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 the total, it wasn't recognized, you know,
1: Yeah, so there's a change on the Missouri tax credit programs that was actually pretty dramatic, Don. And they didn't tell us about this one until August 27th. And they said that for every donation, if the donation is made after August 29th, so they gave us two days to plan for this change, they said for donations made after August 29th, you have to reduce the amount of the deductible donation by the amount of the credit that comes back from that state agency. And typically the way these work is someone donates $1,000 to a qualified Missouri charity, and then the Missouri charity does some paperwork, and the state issues a credit back to that individual for generally 50%, but there are some 70% organizations where you get that voucher back and you use that to pay your Missouri income tax. Well, that credit program, the, the benefit there is significantly lower than what it was because now you have to reduce the amount of your charitable donation by the amount of the credit you received, so it sounds like that might be what's happening with the with the dry goods donation. Uh, but again, if it was before August 29th, then try to find out where the override is in the software and, and take the full donation. Who writes this stuff? <laughs> well, My that one, Lord. yeah, that one came from Treasury.
0: That. Uh, Yeah. Oh, boy. Special training to to do that sort of thing. Okay, uh, let's bring in um, Nina, calling from Kirkwood. Nina, go ahead, please.
3: Thank you for this show. Mr. Weiss, I bought a rental property in 1989. I've been depreciating it ever since, and I thought it was true at some point that if I sold the property and, uh, you know, there would be a... a (laughs) an increase in value over the the IRS value at this point because I've been depreciating it. And instead of paying taxes on that value, I would have two years to buy another property. Is that true? Has it ever been true? Or what's the law on that?
1: So the the two-year provision would have only been true if, if an insurance company came in where the property was damaged or there was an involuntary conversion or a uh, eminent domain foreclosure, then you'd have two years to reinvest the proceeds. There has always been what's called a some like-kind exchange provisions on real estate. But for those to apply, it's a much shorter window than two years, and you can never take possession of the cash. So at closing, the cash has to go into an escrow account, and then you have 45 days to identify and 180 days to, to actually close on one of those properties. So if you already sold the rental property and you took possession of the cash, it will be a taxable transaction and it, you know, that's one of those where it's too late to go back and and fix it. Well,
0: I just marvel at your ability to draw this stuff <laughs> out <laughs> and and remember it and retain it. Uh Bob in Richmond Heights, uh, go ahead with your uh, question please.
2: Uh hello, I uh I'm I've got a question about actually tax year 2017 and I know this is fairly unusual cuz year old. But I was to get a refund from the state of Missouri, and I never got it. And I can't find any way to... I've been on the website and and called a number that I was given, and I can't get anything, any place on the website that's that will talk about anything earlier in 2018.
1: Yeah. Once the website rolls over, the 2017 data is just you know they, it just doesn't work as well and I'll, I'll agree with you 100% on that um, I would encourage you again though to try to call Missouri we've generally found them to be pretty helpful now this time of year you might sit on hold for a little bit uh, but they will they should be able to tell you that yes it's been received it's in process or maybe it was mailed and lost or you know every now and then we'll see a direct deposit that goes into the wrong account. Sure. Now, more often than not, that's user error of one form or another. We transpose a number or a client transposed it when they told us the number or whatever it might be. But even those we can get back eventually, you know, but it can take some time. Well, if if, uh, something came into my
0: account by mistake, I I darn well better report that, should not I? Otherwise, wouldn't I be in some uh, legal difficulty?
1: You know, it. Um, I, I think the legal part of it would probably depend on, you know, did you know how how big was it? You know, okay. certainly, if somebody if their million dollar refund went into your account, then you yeah, I think it. we probably ought to call somebody.
0: yeah, yeah, okay. Let's come back to some emails we've been receiving. Malcolm and Florissant writes, Someone told me the social security income is liable for taxes and
1: increased as my income went up. Is this true? Uh, yes, in general, up to 85% of your Social Security income can be subject to tax, but no more than 85% of it ever. And then that other quirk in Social Security is that if you draw early and then continue to work, they'll actually keep part of what you thought you were going to get. So you generally, if you're going to continue working, generally want to wait until your full retirement age before you start to draw. Uh, the full retirement age in this case is 70, isn't it, or something well, like that? Well, it depends on when you were born. Oh. So uh, for some people, it's 65, uh, some people at 66. Generally, there aren't too many over – I don't remember if it's 67 or 70, but it is right around there. But if you wait until, the, uh, until you're 70 before taking
0: Social Security, it's going to be significantly more.
1: It, it does. For every yeah. year you wait past full retirement age, it mm-hmm. goes up by another 8%. So – You you do the math, and if you think you're going to make it till 80, 82, Mm. whatever your assumptions Mm. might be in there, then you want to wait until you're 70. Yeah. Okay, another email. This one's from Nicole. Please ask
0: your guests about home improvements and repairs that can be added to the home's basis that can impact the seller when the home is sold. Does your guest have a list they can direct us to of items that add to the home's basis when the home is sold?
1: Yeah, so there are there'll be a number of good lists out there that, that Google can help you find, but it's generally the things like, you know, roofs. I added a deck, we built a swimming pool, we finished the basement, those sort of things. But Don really, ever since the early nineties, I think was the tax act that said for a married couple, if you sell your home and your gain, not your proceeds, if your gain is less than five hundred thousand dollars, it's tax free. So for nearly everyone having to track <clears throat> the, the few dollars you might spend, you know, repainting or gutters or whatever it might be on your house, for the most part, it just won't matter because that $500,000 of gain on a married return is a big number. Sure. I think that's uh, came from the Clinton administration, if I remember. It was a pretty big deal. It, you know, I, I can't remember the year that all these things took place, but it would have been in that early 90s time uh-huh. frame. Yeah. Uh, we just have
0: a little time left. Is, is there anything that we haven't talked about here that you think people should know about that would affect the largest number of people?
1: Well— You know, if you're surprised by the amount of the refund, there will be two culprits there. One will be the tax law changes, but I would expect that the bigger culprit that caused the refund to be smaller than you wanted it to be would be in the withholding. So don't be shy about going back to the office manager or HR and saying, hey, can you help me figure out how to make this a, a better number? Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. One final thing, Lance, and that is every year recently because of the use of electronic filing and what have you, there have been a lot of scams out there and a lot of fraud. What's your best advice to folks?
1: Well, you, you know, there there is. And certainly, you know, the, the best advice is, you know, protect your Social Security number, uh, be careful shopping online, things like that. Don't reply to emails that look like they're, you know, phishing for something uh, but actually, Don, we've seen less identity theft so far this season than we have in other seasons. So I think the, the IRS, uh, you know, firewalls, protection, securities, whatever it is they're going through, I think they're starting to catch up. So I think things are getting a little better out there.
0: All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Obviously, there will be more questions that people will have over the next uh, four, five, six weeks, whatever it is. But Lance Weiss, I want to thank you so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Lance is uh, a CPA and a partner with SFW Partners, LLC. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.